0: You're listening to 101.9 FM, LP Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week, my guest is Iris Smiles. She's the author of Droll Tales. We discuss a lot of stuff, but as we chatted, I forgot I was even hosting a show. I kind of zeroed in on her. Not only is she attractive, but like how she talked and what we talked about, and damn it, even the way she expressed herself might pheromones were bouncing and i that parts of this i forgot i was even taping a show so as you'll hear it gets a little embarrassing but hell you know nothing gets cut from these interviews and yes i asked her on a date while taping she said yes so if it works out and we do end up getting married we're registered under duchene smiles party at walmart Tedderboro, New Jersey, store number 3159. Just go to Walmart and ask for the Duchesne Smiles Wedding Registry.
1: Hi, I'm Iris Smiles, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the
0: Drinks with Tony show, yeah. you're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Iris Smiles. Her new book is called Droll Tales. Iris, how are you?
1: Oh, uh, first question. Fine. <laughs> I always get nervous when everyone asks, anyone asks me how I am or really. Like that. Yeah. I mean, because then I have to do all this soul searching. Yeah. So, so when
0: you just said fine, do you really feel fine? Or was there a little bit of, um, was there a little bit of conflict in your soul where things aren't going great, but I have to say fine. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't I don't know. I, I have to think more about the question and get back to
0: you later. Well what we'll do is we'll put up what do they say? We'll put a pin in it.
1: We'll yeah. put a
0: pin in it and then I'm we'll sure. get back okay. to it. Yeah, yeah. In in 45 minutes I'll go, how are you? And then you'll be like, Oh, well, I have these concerns. And then
1: maybe... <laughs> okay. That sounds good.
0: Yeah. How you are li-
1: you? Oh,
0: uh, thank you for the question. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. I've um I've you know it's it's been kind of a bumpy weekend, but I've been solidly busy today, which I enjoy. And then I'm I you know I'm gonna after after we do this, I'm gonna go and sit at a cafe and uh, like read and write and kind of do the thing that we all. Um, I mean, I I I assume all writers want to do the thing that um, that I enjoy doing, which is sitting in a cafe with. <laughs> And napping. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say sitting at a cafe and reading a book and doing some scribbling on my uh work. But yeah, yeah. You, 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 napping is number one, number two is the other thing.
1: Yeah. You can get a lot of work done in your sleep. You know, the surrealists had that bit the whole technique of, you know, sleeping in order to unlock things. I think it helps problem solving sometimes and also um, you know. It's good to sleep.
0: Do you experience (laughs) that with your writing?
1: Sometimes. Sometimes just, uh, you know, just a a quick nap can really uh, help you get a new perspective. You know, if you're approaching something from the same direction and it can be hard to to break out of a way of thinking and, and sometimes just a little reboot helps everything
0: yeah do do you ever um do you ever like before you go to sleep and you're just banging on a problem on a character and you're just like how you you kind of because I've done this where I like vocalize how am I gonna get how, how do I get Sebastian from here to there do you ever like actually do that before you go to sleep and then wake up with the answer yeah yeah is it?
1: yeah sometimes that just yeah and then you just kind of roll it around and just and and something comes up
0: yeah. It's weird how like especially when we're just trying to create which I just feel as I'm learning more and more as I uh it's kind of a magic it's like pure magic that we create nothing into something and then um and then also just acknowledging and tapping that you know the what like what you were saying in the dreams and the surrealist it's like we got to get into our subconscious a little bit let it play
1: yeah, exactly. Creating a, a, a space to just uh, um play. Exactly. Um my friend says when you start a painting or a drawing, hold the pencil loose.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: And I so I think, yeah, sometimes you can get so s- stuck in some idea you have of how it's supposed to go, and it kind of keeps you from seeing where it maybe wants to go. Yeah. And so it helps to kind of just pull back and let go of some of the control. And then some new ideas come up, I find.
0: Yeah. And then, and then that's, and that's sometimes I get frustrated in that situation because I want to be right.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: it's <laughs> like, Oh, I'm not right. And then it's just like, okay, now I got to change this and this and this, and it makes much more sense, but it would have been so much better if I knew all the, if I knew it all from the, you know, earlier drafts, but,
1: but it, yeah. you never do. You got to no. play. Sometimes you gotta, at least I end up writing a lot. And then um, most of that doesn't enter into whatever the final story is, but it's sort of, I see it as it's not a waste. It's necessary work to sort of find the door. You have to kind of keep writing until you find the, the way in. So I think it's part of the process. And then part of the process is knowing when also to let that other stuff go because you found something new.
0: Yeah, the way in. I'm I'm always intrigued by that because it it takes me a while to find the way in, and I always feel like I have the way in, and then the way in doesn't show itself for another like two or three months, and and it's like of a, a daily work, and then all of a sudden it's like that's the way in, and then sixty pages get cut, and I'm just like,
1: oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe this. Uh, well, yeah, the sixty pages are. You know, that's the. Uh, I guess like the stoop out front of the building before you actually open the door. You got. Got to take those extra steps before you get inside.
0: I like that the stoop outside the building. It's very New York of you.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I was. I was thinking of some very large stoops.
0: Yeah, I love New York so much. I haven't been back since uh, COVID, though.
1: It's um. It's a strange place it's not really it's like the city that goes to sleep you know fairly early now
0: oh really is is that partly because of closures and partly because crime has gone up
1: yeah i think all of that yeah i mean it started with you know we had the curfews during covid things had to close at 10 o'clock restaurants and whatever right um even you know the in the outdoor huts but you had to and then it, it just kind of hasn't, I think so many people left and so it just hasn't hasn't come back. I mean, there are still some places, but it's not quite as as lively as it used to be. I guess you have to go, go to Berlin for that. In Berlin, I understand they have 24 hour uh, bars. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I don't know why New York City has the reputation of being this like wild all night place. We close everything at four in the old days. Right, 4 (laughs) a.m.
0: Yeah,
1: except for like a few 24 hour diners. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The diners are great though. I, you know, it's, it's, I mean, well, I'm in California, so everything closes at two, you know, it's just, but when I lived in San Francisco, there was always like play, we always had our places to go after two. These days I go to bed earlier, but back when I was, you know, gallivanting about, it was always like we knew, we knew whose house to, uh, you know, I mean, San Francisco is just so walkable, too, when you live in the city that um, it's just like, oh, wait, so whose place are we going to? And then it's just like everyone converges for another few hours at someone's place and the party continues.
1: Oh, that's nice. Ah, youth.
0: I know. And then <laughs> and then I and then now I get excited about naps.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, going to sleep early is uh, is a, my chief pleasure, especially in the winter. I've been on a on a spate of going to bed at nine o'clock uh, for the last week, and I just feel really just thrilled with myself.
0: Isn't it great? I love going to when I can go to bed early and sleep through the night, and then wake up, and then I'm out with the morning sun. I'm going. This is yeah. better than like an all night rave when I was a kid.
1: Totally. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. When I was young, I really missed out on the mornings for many years. It turns out they're wonderful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. My morning used to begin at three in the afternoon, and I thought it was right. the coolest thing ever. And then now it's just like,
1: what was I thinking? Yeah, I, I like rising early, too. If you can get up before the sun, it's really great, because then you got you feel like you've got the jump on it. Yeah. You're like, the- oh, welcome to my day, son. You know? Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I beat you.
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's a confidence builder it makes you feel like you know it's full of also it's nice to have a some extra time to uh to do a little to do nothing with i recently got a very comfortable robe so i want to have a little more time to luxuriate in it before i get dressed which is i guess another thing that it says about yeah when you're when you're older, things that excite me are like oh i'm gonna wear my robe for a while
0: yeah but that's that's such a beautiful indulgence I I think when we're younger and I, this is something that I just kind of keep thinking about that there's, there's, there's this urgency to kind of fit in and to be around a ton of people and to just like, boom, boom, Carnegie, Carnegie, Carnegie. And then after a while, you just, there's kind of like a falling off and you want to just, I enjoy having lunch with my friends more than I enjoy going out and seeing a band sometimes.
1: Oh, sure. Well, it's
0: like, I, I, I used to be, I used to go to shows three nights a week for, two decades. So there's a point where it's just like having a cup of coffee and brunch is like the sexiest thing ever.
1: Yeah, that sounds nice.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I'm in LA, so that's what they do too, you know. It's like, "Oh, you do you know? I did before, before I moved to LA, it wasn't like that for me. But then I moved to LA and then all of a sudden it's like,
1: wait, French culture? What's that? French culture is it there? French
0: French culture? brunch culture brunch culture oh yeah yeah brunch culture yes very um and then especially with my writer friends we like to uh it's, it's there's a lot of let's do lunch cuz we have middle of the day open there's just kind of there's the beauty of not having to um have a day job but just hustling the the words or teaching and so so you sit for a few hours at a at a spot and just and i just keep reminding myself this is what I've always
1: wanted in life.
0: I got my siesta.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't like having a social lunches that much because I really like having a whole day to, I like I don't even answer the phone usually during the day. Oh, really? I, I don't know why people call me in the middle of the day. Shouldn't they be working or something? What are they calling me for? So I don't know because I'm working or anyway, I should be, but I won't right. be working. I answer the phone. But then also, I don't like it if anyone calls me after 9 o'clock. So there's really just a very short, very small window for socializing. 8.15
0: to
1: 8.30. Yeah, that's the window. (laughs) yeah and sometimes when people call me i'll see them I, I turn my phone off at night and then in the morning i get up at like you know five or something and i see someone called me at like 10 or 11 i'm like what this is craziness and i'm, I'm i i have to hold myself back from calling them at, at 5 a.m used to be like yeah you see
0: <laughs> I, I get i get I, now, yeah right? no i feel you i get text messages at like 1 a.m 2 a.m from all these people and i'm like what are you doing? And then sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and it'll be 3. am. And I'm all, Oh, I'll just text them back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I think unless you're sleeping with someone, you shouldn't be calling after (laughs) nine (laughs) o'clock.
0: Wait a second. Unless you're sleeping with someone and someone's next to you or you're in a relationship.
1: You're having sex with the person, you know, then they can call you at, you know, potentially different hours. Right. it's, it's then it's not as strict but otherwise
0: it's an intimacy thing yes people contacting you after 9 p.m is too intimate yes to be- <laughs> <laughs> they're pushing their boundaries
1: <laughs> exactly exactly
0: i like that uh yeah yeah i've i've told uh someone would ask me they're like oh yeah can you pick me up from lax And i'm like uh, um i would if i was married i wouldn't even pick my wife up unless she was pregnant so
1: <laughs> really?
0: no, but, no no i would but i was being i was going farther on uh yeah we don't there's there's ride services for you you know
1: yeah i understand that i mean i would never ask anyone to pick me up from the airport though recently i was dating someone given i was going to see him in uh in Greece and he picked me up from the airport and he drove me to the airport. And I thought, I was like, wow, this guy, he loves me. <laughs> this is, I mean, you know, cause it's the same thing in, in, in New York. I mean, going to the airport for someone is a, is a big deal. You have to be like blood related.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just like uh, also there's, there's, you know, the subway can get you here, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You spend do you spend a lot of time in Greece because it says you divide your time between Greece and New York?
1: Um, I suppose I do. Yeah, I'm usually there for uh, most of the summer. My mother's from Greece, um, and so I've kind of been going every summer um, my whole life. So I have family there and friends that I've grown up with.
0: That's fun in the
1: village. So yeah. yeah,
0: that's great. Do you have do you have like dual citizenship since your mom is from there?
1: I'm working on it now. I'm entitled to it. There's just you know the paperwork. Right. So I'm I'm actually that's a, a ongoing project where I have to get some some paperwork uh, some things. You got to get a Hague sort of certif- Hague apostle. I don't know. Yeah. Everything's difficult. Everything's difficult.
0: But but it's I mean, but I think once you start going through those, okay, then that's done, then that's done. You put the process together almost like writing a novel, where it's just it's difficult, but then all of a sudden at the end you have a a novel on the bookshelf and two passports.
1: Exactly. Except that writing a novel is fun. And <laughs> dealing with Is it always it is it always fun though? Is it always fun for you? Um yeah well i mean it's difficult that's not to say it's not uh it's it's work but it's exciting work yeah i enjoy the i yeah i enjoy writing very much i'm always a little mystified when when writers say that they and a little irritated when they when they say like oh i hate writing it's so hard for me writing so you know there's that people sort of like to brag about how hard writing is for them um and so I I met this guy once and he was going on about how, uh, we, we dated after this, he was going on about how difficult <laughs> it was for him. And I was like, do you think it's as difficult for your readers to read your books? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Is it pleasant for them? Because I, look, no one's forcing you. If you don't want to write, don't write, you know? It's, and it, it should be, it should be fun. Or I mean, uh, you know, any kind of project. It doesn't mean that it's not work. Um, but but work that you are it's it's exciting. it's an adventure and I, adventures also you know are filled with you know danger and hardship. It's not just all treasure right you know if but it was that,
0: all treasure, then that's just like the story begins and ends and it's boring,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: what um did you read his books and find that they were difficult to read? um? We can put a pin on that.
1: <laughs> I don't, they were, they're, Um. they're interesting. Yeah. I think though that some, that, you know, that sometimes, uh, when writing is bore is is boring, it's because the uh, author was uh, it's uninspired. They were bored while they were doing it. Yeah, you have this idea of like, oh, I, now I have to, I have to set the scene, or I have to do this, and you don't have to do anything. And if you have that attitude, then it's going to be um, boring.
0: It does translate to the page, and it's it's like, I, if we don't bring fun to it the reader is not going to have fun and they won't know why they're not having fun. Uh, it, you know, it's just a general reader, but like when you're a writer and you're like, Oh, I'm not having fun because the writer wasn't having fun when they were wrote, writing this.
1: Yes, I think so.
0: Yeah. And I like to have fun.
1: I mean, that's the whole point. Art is play, right? Yeah.
0: I, I I'll go back to tech work if, uh, if, uh, <laughs> you know, if I want if I want to just hate my job, that's it, you know, it's like these people who are like, oh God, I can't, these weekend wires were just like Friday's coming up. oh I hate Mondays and I'm like, what have you done wrong with your life to create five days that wreak havoc on you when yeah. when you, you it, there there should uh, they, we live in a I mean we're lucky to live in a place where we can kind of do what we want as long as we measure our like needs versus our wants it's just like yeah you can go buy a mansion but if you hate everything you do between monday and friday you've done it wrong
1: yeah or i guess you can also work on changing your perspective maybe like this is something that i realized i have thought i I get i sort of get uh i I dread socializing sometimes and then i realize i don't know i'm it's not dread that i'm experiencing it's excitement it's just that I'm misunderstanding the, um, I feel this sense of uh, nervousness. And, but so I've convinced myself that it's dread. And so I think sometimes you can just, if you just switch the way that you look at something, um, it can become more interesting. For example, I used to live in this, uh, in this walk-up apartment and uh. I regarded the stairs as like, this isn't part of my life. This is this awful thing that I have to do every day when I go inside. So it's just a piece of life that you just cut off. And then once I get inside the apartment, then then life starts again, but this is not life. And then I realized how much of your life is taken up in these transitions. So then I decided, why don't I try to enjoy going up the stairs? And I hung some pictures and paintings on the staircase. Because I was like, this is it. Otherwise, if you start whittling away and you see all these different things as drudgery, then um, yeah, then there's a lot of drudgery. So trying to figure out how to make things, how how to, I guess that's I, I, something that I work on because I have I do have that attitude, and sometimes I notice it and say, this is this is your life right now. It's not drudgery having to cook and feed yourself. It's fun. Sorry yeah, that.
0: yeah. no, it, <laughs> like, that that, I identify with that so much because I think and and I, and i I've, you know, I've worked on my anxiety issues for you know, many years. I'm still working on them every week. I work on them tomorrow at four p m with my therapist. But, um, it's just like, yeah, realizing that the dread is actually excitement. And it's almost like sometimes I'll have too much excitement where it scares me. Mm -hmm. And then the dread is kind of like a protective mechanism where it's just like, do I really want to do that? You know? And then it's just like, no, no, you're excited about that. Let Go ahead and let your body be excited.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Yeah. I I have anxiety issues uh, too. And maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's excitement and maybe (laughs) call it. Right.
0: Right. And it's, and you, and it's even like, um, as I've been going through therapy, it's like, uh, sadness will come up or depression or loneliness and it and it used to be anxiety that would come in and go, hey, you don't have to feel that because that's give you a panic attack.
1: And then it's just <laughs> and you're just
0: going, Oh my God, I'm gonna die. And then but at the same time it's just it's just like, wait a second, that's me avoiding my emotions. Let those emotions go through. Nothing bad's gonna happen. You might fall down and weep in a grocery store. But what's wrong with weeping in a grocery store?
1: No, oh, that's a, that's a that's a nice afternoon in my mind. I love going to grocery stores. I love weeping in public. So, combining- Do you really weep in public a lot? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know it was a weird thing until I read something. Yeah. I mean, I remember being like on the treadmill at uh, the gym at Chelsea Piers and just so crying. And then I saw... I'm watching something. It was like on a second level. And so there's like a court, uh, not a courtyard, but like a cafeteria in the middle. I was looking down and watching someone depressed at the table eat their banana while I was softly weeping on the on the treadmill. I mean, when it comes, you just let it come. But that's one of the great things, especially about living in New York City. You can do a lot of public crying. Yeah. And it's not bizarre. I mean, everyone's just people are crying all over the city. Um, Yeah. I guess it's a little different. I mean, I might hold back maybe less public weeping uh, now that I'm out in the country because someone might voice concern and it's like, wait, you can see me? (laughs) 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 You're you're used to being in and ignoring people in New York City. So so there's a sort of a feeling of a great feeling, I guess, of privacy being uh, in public and crying in New York City because like, you know, when you're home alone, it's much more uh, in a certain, in a certain sense, it's, it's less, you're like, you're observing yourself, but when you're, when you're out at large walking around in the world, it's, it's, it's a great place to cry. You
0: has know? anyone ever like, like when you're, when you're in New York, has anyone ever shocked you and just kind of went up to you and said, like, do you need a hug?
1: No, I mean, I have been, you know, groped, <laughs> <by> <laughs> So i, I was weeping
0: I think- and someone pinched my ass
1: <laughs> yeah no yeah no I'm no one's got this
0: there. god light out of here that i have i'm really sorry it's there we go oh, it's, it's nice it's it's uh, it
1: reminds me of one of those um those like christian paintings with the, um, <laughs> they look up and the light of god is is coming is so I, got, I got stigmata yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's I get this weird glow at at a certain time and a certain season that when it comes into my area from the south, we got the the sun, the sun's starting to come back to the northern hemisphere as it likes to do and invades my space.
1: Well, it's a good thing you have that blackout curtain though. Although I have to say I like this kind of holy vibe that you've got going
0: yeah exactly it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's, uh it's um having conflict with the heathen i mean
1: (laughs) the lights finding out your sins yeah
0: (laughs) yeah no yeah it's god is this isn't this isn't holy this is god looking into my soul and going yeah you are judged not worthy
1: no i'm sure he sees wonderful things or she or it
0: yeah. What do you, what do you think God is? Do you think God is a, the, what, what, what's, what's uh, what's out there in the universe? Are we being, are we being played?
1: Are we being surveilled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I personally don't think so. I, um. I don't believe in a, let's say a a, a God who is a, like a singular being or,
0: right.
1: or if there is a, I, I believe in a sort of a I believe in let's say the universe i mean in science and bigness and that we're all you know part of part of uh, organisms part of larger organisms but um with with i think if there is a creator i mean um which i think science brings us more towards the idea that that's possible it would be something like a very an indifferent God like a kid playing a Sims game who got bored and just you know moved on and forgot about it and here we all are you know wondering and so I don't think I don't when I imagine it I don't imagine a, a caring God but just like eh, just someone set up a dollhouse and then walked away.
0: <laughs> it's like a, and got bored and then like uh thousands of years later was like oh and then just walks over and kicks it and then it's done it's done for all of us.
1: Maybe yeah. Although I I like, I like the idea of um, you know of religion. I keep finding myself. I I've been looking for cults to join. Um, I've been seriously. Yeah, (laughs) I mean you know during the lockdown, you know how oh right yeah. yeah. Documentaries about cults, and I kept you know trying to find one. I was like, it seems like everyone's they're just having a great time. They have all. I mean, before it goes really bad, right. I don't feel like I don't think I have the like I'm not social enough to join a cult, and I couldn't find one that I that I really liked. So then I was I found myself googling, "Can you start a cult if you're an introvert?" Because you have to, I guess, really like being around people. Um, but I, anyway, there was nothing usable, so the the cult is a is a no go. Although I do think I have been involved in two person cults, when some of my relationships were very were very you know sort of. Uh, dark religious experiences. <laughs>
0: they, you know? they, they were, um, they, they like, they sucked the life out of you, and you didn't realize it, and you had to get out of the cult.
1: Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and of course, it starts off wonderful, and you really believe in in this in this person, and you create your own language together, and your own rules in the relationship, and you have your own history and lore surrounding the founding of the relationship, and then. And then it starts to not work out, but you still have faith, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. No. It's it, yeah.
1: Deciding to like leave the cult or leave the relationship is a big thing because you're letting go of this whole order that you built together. So, I mean, there is a lot of yeah I, uh, faith uh, there should be in relationships. I guess that's you know love, and that's why it can be uh, a bit dangerous you know, loving the wrong
0: person or something. Yeah. Do you feel like there's actually ever really a right person or there's just, I I, I kind of feel like there's good enough. There's like good enough. And I want to go work with this person and let's, let's build it together. When the next one comes along that like, you know, I'm a divorced guy. I've wept in public and scared little kids when I was getting divorced. (laughs) I remember I was like, just, I just lost it in San Francisco. And I was like, just kind of hiking alone through the mountains and this little kid is like looking at me going dad is that the future oh, no. I remember the look of horror on this kid's face and I'm like I can't stop oh. kid. No, It's yeah oh. it's the future it's what you're gonna get
1: <laughs> well there are good times too I guess yeah yeah
0: <laughs> like, like but it's just then I get to the point where I'm like wait is this this is just me is this just me is this my problem in a relationship or when I'm dating and then it's just like then i have to differentiate if, if i'm being the idiot or if this is actually something that i can't live with
1: that's very hard to figure out uh especially if you're a conscient a very conscientious person and uh having a lot of you know self doubt so i often usually i assume things are are my fault um and uh more than they are so sometimes i give other people more of the benefit of the doubt so to your question i don't think I, I wasn't when i say the wrong person i don't mean with this idea that there's like one you know right person i mean basically if someone like if someone is acting in bad faith and mm-hmm. so then you can be sort of you're trying to so, you know play fair and solve things together and maybe the other trying to you know is manipulative or in some way or yeah and then that can be that can be can really uh, screw you up. Trusting someone who's basically untrustworthy or not honorable, right? Um, I think a lot about what are the thing you know. This what are the things that that one should or shouldn't compromise on. I think everything, but the most important thing is is for me is being with an honorable person. People don't talk much about honor these days.
0: And what, what does how do you define honor?
1: Um, Honest, kind, accountable. Yeah. Keeping your word, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I like yeah. It when the,
0: <laughs> I've been on these online dating apps and then I realized that I just, it's, it's a, uh, it reminds me how bad humanity is. <laughs> but it's, I'm looking for someone who makes me laugh and I'm like that there's a comedy club around the corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's true. I, I, I have to get back on the apps. I, I got off of the apps because it wasn't, uh, although I'm not sure if I'm going to, I feel guilty not being on the apps cause I'm not, you know, then there's no, how else do you meet people? But when I was on the apps, I was just basically getting like junk mail from creeps far and wide. And right. So- yeah.
0: Yeah. And then there's that. And then the creeps, are, I think the creeps are like 5% and it just sucks because those 5% are blasting everyone. And then it's just like, And then, you know, people are just like, oh yeah, I get dick pics left and right. And I'm like, who, I don't know any of my friends who would ever do that. Anyone in my circle. And if they did, they would never be my friend again. Like, that's too weird. You guys are crazy.
1: yeah online dating is weird also because it's just like you know and not turning something that that's fun into a, a job or now I've got to look at more screens. I don't want to be on the computer all day. so right. I guess I'll probably die alone or um yeah, I don't know yeah I
0: yeah, I'm, that's you know I'm going through the exact same thing I'm just like, yeah, this may there may be no more and then it you know and then these <laughs> some of these people put their credit scores on their uh dating app and i'm just like ah, <laughs> I'm
1: like yeah a fico it, score is how you are after they put their credit scores
0: i this was i think this was on ok cupid which is uh and i've even seen it on hinge when i was on hinge like way back in i could, i've been very tepid about putting my foot back in it but i got to put my foot back in it and it's driving me nuts and my therapist is like, every single time, how's dating going? Get out there, get out there. And I'm like, ah. but um,
1: I've only been on like three dates from online stuff.
0: Yeah. And did any of them work?
1: Uh, No. I mean, they were nice people, you know, yeah. I didn't regret going, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a, a match, but uh, yeah, that's why, I don't know. Maybe I didn't apply myself enough.
0: I have two friends who have been married from dating apps.
1: Yes. I, a friend of mine got married from somebody met on okay. Cupid. And ah. uh, yeah, I mean, so it does, it does, it really, it works for, for a lot of people, but I guess from what I, from what I hear, a friend of mine is a, um is a matchmaker and a dating coach matchmaker, Maria Um and she maybe you've heard of her and she said you know that basically you just it's a numbers thing and so you just have to be really you know but it's so it's so demoralizing when you get these to look at these things that it's just like it's it's very overwhelming it reminds me of when when I was uh younger and I would get like the whatever poets and writers um magazine to look in the you know the submission you know who's asking for submissions and you see like tons and tons of literary magazines that you've never heard of and I would get so overwhelmed at first it's exciting and then I would get so overwhelmed that I never submit anything because I just couldn't even it just felt too too daunting Uh, and now now it's the same with uh you know with this online stuff and then also I guess you have to know what you're looking for uh, people seem to know that. I, I don't know what I'm looking for. Someone nice? I don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Someone nice. But there's yeah. more to it. That, if but actually, he, there's...
1: If he's, if he's shirtless, I think that's like, I guess... I mean, I don't like to assume too much, but I guess there are certain things that you pick up. So if a guy's shirtless and like covered in tattoos, that's probably, you know, that's fine, but we're pro- it's probably not a good... Right. I don't, sort of show-off-y thing. I think it's probably not going to work out or here's the other thing well I don't know why men do this on the dating apps they they have often they post s- selfies of, of, of them a picture of them a selfie in the car and they're driving
0: right I thought that was but, just an LA
1: thing I didn't know is that in New York too no but it's not like standing in front of the car or posing it's a it's a selfie in the driver's seat yeah As a woman, we're always sort of sniffing out potential threats. So all I can do is imagine my body in the trunk while (laughs) they're driving me off to dispose of me somewhere. So I don't know. And they're because they're often like they're not smiling. It's just like, yeah. Oh, so they look angry and that's, that's where my mind goes. Why take a picture of yourself in a car? I, I, I've i never, I've never done that. Or the other thing and when people post, when, when men post pictures of themselves with their arm around a girl, but she's cut out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, gee, maybe that could be me down the road. I'll be the person. Like just take a picture of yourself by yourself. Why, why do you have to, you know, it's so, I, my feelings are hurt for this poor girl with her face You know, and then it's just—it's also like already you're already you're trying to make me jealous. We haven't even met. (laughs) It's it's just a weird thing, but I don't know. I don't know. Life is life is strange. I I I liked it in the in the old days when you would just you know you met people out in the world. Yes, I know,
0: and it's so like just sometimes you talk to people and they're like, like they don't even know how to talk
1: anymore. No, I mean, and everyone because they're all, you know. Also, even if you go to a cafe or something, it's like yeah. nobody is available for conversation. They might, you know, if they find you and like, I don't know, on a on the app that says you're there, then they might talk to you. But right. it has to be, all has to be mediated first. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: So There's not so much, there's no, it's, I think that's one of the things that makes New York City a little bit less fun these days. When I first moved, I moved there in 1996, and it felt like just walking down the street, it felt like we were all at the same party. And you just had all these interactions with people, whether or not you spoke to them, most of the time you didn't, but you looked at people. They looked at you. Maybe there was something, or they looked at you. Maybe you looked away because you didn't want to interact, but it felt like, there was just all of these exciting potential uh, interactions. Now it's sort of nobody looks at you because they're all looking at their phone. So it's like, what it is, is it's a really crowded ghost town. It's just like, everyone's in your way, but nobody's actually sharing that moment with you. So I, I think, I guess I blame cell phones for that, but now I'm sorry. So no, so- I agree.
0: I agree because it's um because there's, it's, uh, you know, I don't mind people my way, but as long as there's a payoff. So if there's a lot of people in your way, but you meet a couple cool people during the day or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that's great. But if everyone's in your way and there's no payoff, then it's just well, if they're all
1: just bodies. But nobody's actually you're not even acknowledging each other's humanity. Right. You know, then then it's just yeah. Then it's just the sidewalks crowded and it's annoying versus it used to be the sidewalks crowded and it's exciting because it's all yeah. these people are sharing this space you know, and, and this moment in time, and we're all on the, you know, it, that's a kind of a thrilling thing.
0: I'll, I'll go on a hike, you know, this is LA, so you have to hike, right? But I go, I'll go on a hike and then,
1: walking, right. It, is, that, that? Is, is hiking, walking uphill.
0: <laughs> it's like, well, we have, a, I, I live right by Griffith park and the Griffith observatory. So, oh, so there's no, actual hiking, hiking trails. So you go, I like I go on these hiking trails and then i you know you're you're it's like you're just like there's people just going on way up hills and stuff and you're and it's just like and I say hi and then and they go what and they take one of the and, and they have their earbuds on <laughs> and I'm like and what for so the first off I'm like why aren't you listening to nature? It's yeah. beautiful to not have not be connected to anything as we're out here. And listen to the wind rustling in the trees and listen to a coyote howl, hopefully from yeah. far away. Or oh, the,
1: the mountain lion that's about to devour you. At least right. You should- exactly. Yes.
0: Yeah. Survival, too. Yes. Because predators can come up. And when I say predators, I mean even serial killers. That's why I don't.
1: Yeah. Right. In New York City, when, uh, you know, people are walking around with headphones, especially especially now, it's like, are you crazy? you yeah. got to be alert at all times. Yeah. You
0: know, uh, it's, it wasn't that long. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, I used to you know, I used to have crates of records and I would DJ at uh, bars and stuff in San Francisco. That was people look at me and go that you you don't look like that guy. And I'm like, I know I didn't then either. But uh, but it, oh, you, you, you
1: look you look like a DJ. That's a D, that's a, a serious ra- radio DJ beard.
0: Oh, radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got
0: a Yeah, you got a radio DJ beard. It's washed today, so it's more of a uh, it's more of a TV beard. No, I'm kidding. I'm well, scared. no,
1: I mean it's very it's very hip. Is what I'm saying.
0: Is it hip, or or if I if I miss the boat on it, and it used to be hip, what would your what would your first impression? Here we go. What would your first impression of me be of you be if I was on a dating app and you saw this?
1: I would think that you're very attractive. No. Yes. Really. Yeah. Okay,
0: well we may have to continue this conversation after too. <laughs> yeah. I
1: think, wow, he's got nice hair and a friendly oh. face. Oh, okay. Well, cool. I yeah.
0: I'm gonna relax. <laughs> I'm gonna relax and embrace that compliment. <sighs> okay, thank you. Um now I don't know what to say. Now I'm now for <laughs> <eclectic.
1: laughs> Embarrassed you. Yeah. Um yeah. Well <laughs> Yeah.
0: So you also wrote for the Baffler. When did you write for the Baffler?
1: Um well uh they published a short story of mine which is in the book Droll Tales this called okay. shelves. So um yeah so it, I, I I I I haven't been writing for them let's say they just published. Right.
0: Cuz <laughs> I as a kid I used to I used to go get the Baffler I thought it was very intellectual of me in the 90s to have a co- the newest copy of the Baffler and I'd always get a new copy and I would like read it but not understand all of it because I think there was like a lot of politics in there that I didn't get but it was something that <clears throat> when I saw the Baffler and your um was as having one of your bylines I was just like sitting there going oh my God it just brought me back like 20 years to me trying to to trying to look at more intellectual than I really was
1: yeah. That's a great idea. It's always a good idea to. I I appreciate that you were trying to look that way with the Baffler. Uh,
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I could. There were other magazines. The New
1: Yorker, which is you know the the standard, the standard thing. Yeah. I I've been trying to look intellectual lately with the Harper's.
0: Oh, Harper's. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I Um, I, you know I've been enjoying the Economist. I never thought in my life that I would enjoy that magazine.
1: Oh. I've never, I know. I've never actually uh read it. Come to think of it. They do
0: they have they they are so it's it's one of the few magazines I enjoy these days cuz I just like even reading the Atlantic and stuff I'm just like where are all your good writers? Where did they go? You know, it's it just it feels different. But the Economist pretty- is I'm cheeky. Shorter. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Well, I think Harper's is a really I mean that's my favorite uh, magazine. Um yeah. I have this pattern where I uh I I buy magazines off off the rack. And, and then I'm like, why am I spending so much money? There's so much great stuff. And so then I'll start subscribing. And as soon as I'm subscribing, then I have no time. So then I just have all of these piled up magazines that I can't throw away because whenever I s- decide to throw them away, I start looking. And I'm like, oh, there's all these great articles I've got to read. And I put it aside, but then I never read them. So uh, yeah, but with the Harper's, I had this, um, this was, I don't know, last year or something, they had some kind of issue about sex the cover just said in big letters, S-E-X. And now the reason I'm telling you this is this, then, um, and I had it on my coffee table and, you know, no one's coming over. And then that day, uh, the handyman, this man that I hired to do some work for me, is i, I that's not, I don't mean that in a sexual way. He was actually yeah. doing some, some work for me. He came over and after... After he left, I realized that I had this magazine, just this big sex magazine, and I was so in- out on the coffee table, and he must have seen it and thought, like Jesus, she's just, she's just parading around her pornography. And you know, so he may had-
0: have, he may have tried to flip through it to see if there was any uh, sexual images in there. No, he- I, I, I,
1: I wished, and he would have, he would have known that I'm, you know, that I'm not a pervert, but an intellectual, or. Um- <laughs> But yeah, in that case, it really came. I, I really came off looking quite quite bad. That didn't work out at all. I should have had the baffler out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Did you ever see that movie Bananas with uh, Woody Allen?
1: Um, did I see that one? I don't remember if I. have It's seen
0: that uh, one. Is, it, bananas. Is the one where he ends up? Uh, I think it's bananas where he ends up going to the uh, country and they the he goes to a uh San Salvador or something and then he becomes a dick. Oh no
1: I haven't seen that one yet.
0: There's one um, where it's it's one of his really early ones but he's at a bookstore. He goes to one a newsstand you know his early 70s and he wants he, he wants pornography but he keeps trying he was trying to be he's like oh wow and he like picks up time magazine and then when no one's looking he grabs like these uh <laughs> all these like saucy magazines it's um <laughs> It's uh it's yeah. And Sylvester Stallone's in that movie too. He plays an extra in the movie because he gets on the subway and then Sylvester Stallone his, he's sitting on the subway reading, uh, but he's got his, you know, porn underneath the fake magazine. And, and these two thugs are beating the crap out of this old lady next to him. And he just keeps like moving,
1: not even acknowledging them.
0: And one of the thugs is Sylvester Stallone.
1: Oh, I've got to see that, that, uh, that one. Yeah. um i think I think it was a, a another thing that I think it was better when when we had to uh buy our porn in person, yes, I think it, it you know keeps things sort of balanced um you know, yeah
0: well it's, it, it it's kind of scares me too because I mean you know access to to like when I was younger. You know, it's just um I mean one, I I grew up in a really weird religion. So it's like you you weren't you know, I wasn't even supposed to be anywhere near that. So anything like a photography magazine was just like
1: oh what well, what is this religion that you were reading? Jehovah's Witness? Oh, exciting. Yeah. I like the Jehovah's Witnesses because uh one of them sent me a very long handwritten letter.
0: That's what yeah, that's what uh, during COVID, right?
1: Um I think it was right before i don't yeah oh, okay. around, around or if you the, were if really you're not i was really okay. touched by the penmanship and also i mean yeah how often do we get really long handwritten letters so it was like it just you know it's like oh i almost wanted to you know to join just because i was so moved yeah. i mean this is i'm a very susceptible person I can, little, I can i could help you on the
0: fast track where you can get you can join you can you know have to see get the love bomb and then you can get the uh, getting in too deep and then you can lose all your friends. It's,
1: it's fun. So you grew up in that and then, mm-hmm. and you, and then you left it. what age did you move away from that?
0: I, well, it took me many. So I had moments of doubts, but it wasn't until I was 29 or 30 where I finally went, Oh crap, there's something really wrong. And then it was some years later when i well no that's cuz i was i was married to a jehovah's witness at the time so when i was 30 i said i can't do it anymore i was and and she freaked well, out oh. and, it, and but it, it's just it's 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 a very insular religion so to even suggest that it's that you're not doing it anymore and she asked me to not tell anybody cuz her family would completely disown me and i and i was like yeah i'm not going to tell anyone It's it's not like uh, but but i did have a very succinct date september 1999 where i was like no i i just can't and it's but it took like 10 years of um trying to wrap my head around it and wrapping my and then it took even another few years after that to wrap my head around it even more because i didn't know why I couldn't do it but i knew i had to figure it out and i so the journey was the journey like took a while
1: what what was it that um i mean if if it's too personal you don't have to tell no, me I'm I'm, what I'm, I'm, that finally that made you say i can't do it anymore
0: there there was a lot of bumps in the road one was um well what the, the first one was a, a friend of mine killed himself after he got this fellowship so they shun people And so this was when I was 22. And so I, I was, the elders were like up, they were like, Hey, why aren't you doing, you know, you're supposed to come to meetings three times a week. You're supposed to be preaching all this stuff. And they're like, Hey, what's going on? And I was like, I'm having a really hard time. My friend Gibby killed himself. And they just essentially said, well, he already did. He was already dead to us because he's no longer, he is out of the Jehovah's witnesses. And I it, it like, like it killed me inside that they wouldn't try to help me because I was having suicidal thoughts at the same time. So instead of going to the Kingdom Hall, which is what they called it, I went to the library at night after work, and that and I was trying to figure out how to, um, how to uh, process Gibby's uh, suicide as well as how do I not kill myself. And yeah, I know I didn't bring, I, I, I got, I got really lighthearted there. Sorry. But um the, the, and then that's when I started just kind of reading books and that's when I found books. And that's when I read my first novel that I didn't have to like read for school. That was because you have to read so much Bible literature. And I read my first novel and I went, Oh my God, this speaks to me. It just blew my mind. And that's how my journey started. I read Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. I don't know why. I don't know how that one stood out to me. But it just, it spoke to me. And I was like, and nothing's ever spoken to me like this. And then after that, I was insatiable of trying to gather more. And then, that, but that was early days. But I still believed. And then fast forward about eight years later, and I read a Che Guevara biography. And I had no idea who he was, but when, when it went into uh, how he was speaking out against the United States still promoting slavery in the 1950s, just not in their country, and how he was taking a stand for it. And I had a real problem with how the Jehovah's Witnesses treated moms who didn't have husbands, single moms, like they would they would treat them very poorly, and it used to piss me off. And they would say things from the platform that would be degrading to these women who had kids. And that that was kind of, that was the, I can't go anymore. Because if they say one more thing like that from the platform, I have to raise my hand and stand up and go, no, you're wrong. And here's why. And so my choice was to not go again. And that was just that, and it was, it was just such a trip. And then I started to try to gather more information, more information. And I was reading constantly and writing, but it was, it took a while for me to start to read things that talked about Jehovah's witnesses. Cause you're not supposed to read any of that. And then, oh. and then I started to read it and then I was like, and I read other, about other cults and I'm like, Oh man, it was just, and it was devastating. It was really devastating to, actually have the realization it just it hurt my soul of when it was just like i realized i'd been lied to it was it was rough
1: yeah i that sounds uh intense what were were your uh, parents still involved with the church
0: yeah, no, my, uh, before the, the, um, Gibby suicide happened, my, uh, a couple of years earlier, my, uh, uncle had killed himself. My dad had a nervous breakdown and, the, uh, and he was a high ranking elder and the elders like just scattered and everyone scattered from our family. And they were going after him saying, what's your secret sin? Cause Jehovah took his, uh, Holy spirit away from your family. Yeah. Um, and it was, and, yeah, it's just it it it's just that it is that crazy. So I like I can't even watch documentaries about cults and stuff or be it. It's like I can't even be interested in it because it's just like oh I've lived that I and I understand it and I understand that I understand believing like wholeheartedly and then having that belief system crushed, which is um. It's it's uh, yeah. Anyway, this this all became about
1: me all of a sudden. This is your show. It's fascinating. <laughs> um. I mean, belief is really uh, interesting because I do think it's 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 a very positive thing and an important thing. But it also, yeah, with in the in the wrong in the wrong thing or with a bad actor, it can be uh, life destroying. With and a person so very, without honor, yeah, yeah. So it's it's very difficult, but it is important to have you know faith in life. I mean, faith in, in lots of things, you know, f- faith in even if it's uh, what the book you're working on, to have faith that, you know, to get through those, there's all those doubts, and maybe I should abandon this, and why am I doing it? And so you have to kind of sort of, really, you, you have to have faith in, in, in things to, for anything, but, but it can be dangerous, because what if you're, what if you're, it could lead you into ruin, also yeah yeah and i and i
0: like how you brought the the thing about faith and having faith in what we're working on because when we're putting our time into that and it's i mean i i I've i've been working on this novel that i'm on now for about a year and a half and um but about eight months ago i had like kind of a crisis of faith with it and I had to set I had to send a couple chapters out to friends and I'm just like is this a thing this isn't a thing I totally screwed up I've wasted my time and and they're just like oh no actually this is it's a thing and I'm like okay <laughs> and so I just kept going on it so
1: well that's yeah ex- exactly I, I think there's a lot of moments where you know you could it makes sense to abandon uh abandon a project so that, yeah, having faith. and Or sometimes I say to myself, yeah, you could be, this could be all, all, all terrible. Maybe it won't come to anything, but you you, you kind of have to go there to find out.
0: Right. And I've done that well, and then, too.
1: And then, okay. And so sometimes things, you've got to, that's why it's, it's risky. Um, uh, making something because, or trying anything, it might not work out. You might fail. But okay, then you start again.
0: Yeah. And not only I don't I don't feel like that it's failure because I worked on a book for two years that I had to shelve because I was just like, <clears throat> what am I trying to do? Bring myself into the asylum because I was writing about my grandmother's suicide. I'm a I'm a big ball of laughs. over here, <laughs> But the um but I was trying to do it in a certain way that had a bit of comedy to it. I was trying to work on that for two years. And I'm just like, what am I doing? And I had to put that whole book on the shelf. And it's just like that book can never be written it'll never be published but i had to work on it for that amount of time for some odd reason to continue going where i'm going now which is so for some odd reason i had to purge myself of that even though it won't be ever released
1: right well also not everything is i mean so you you learn things as you're as you're writing too yeah and so it's all it's you know not everything has to be is 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 meant to, is necessarily going to be seen um or should be
0: right exactly or should be is the key
1: <laughs> yes, but there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of work to do i mean i guess like the final book is like that's a or story that's like a final performance but there's all the stuff and the rehearsal and the things and trying things out that you have to you have to do before you before you get there um and also i don't know sometimes i put things away a lot where I I get to a point where I'm like, this is horrible and hopeless and I don't know what to do. And so, or I finish it, like I finished a story and then I'm like, oh, immediately go into a depression because it's not what I, I don't know that day. It just, it seems, it seems horrible. This is, I'm a terrible writer, why bother? Put it away and then start working on something else. And while I'm working on something else, eventually reach a point with that too, where I'm like, this is horrible. I can't continue. I'm gonna put it away. Why don't I go look at that other thing I put away? And then I do, and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And now I have new ideas for kind of how to move forward, or I, I see, I, I see it in a, you know, I'm not I'm no longer locked in the same way. So I've had like with this book, Droll Tales, I have stories that in there that were started 20 years ago and finished uh this year last year wow you know and and went through so many different iterations that maybe nothing is left maybe there's like you know two lines that left from the original but like you know but that was the, the the process that's how you how you get it there um so yeah i i think it's if you, as long as you're writing, the only bad writing is writing that you're not doing. As long as yeah. you're writing, it's worthwhile because it's bringing you somewhere. You're learning about, you know, whether or not it's um, going to be published or not. But, you know, you're certainly not going to get anywhere if you uh, are, are waiting for the perfect idea. And then you just to to execute. And sometimes I do get, I get lost in this, which project should I work on? I don't want to waste my time and I can waste a lot more time arguing with myself about what to work on. And, and it would be better if I just worked on anything, you know?
0: So- no, exactly. Exactly. There's, and what I've recognized is the days that I'm like, the last thing I want to do is even look at this. And I sit down and I push through that. Sometimes those are the days where I, something happens that's like kind of magical. And it's because I've shown up day after day after day and just kind of just pen to paper and just said, Hey, we're doing this. And everything else, all the forces are like, no, we're not. And I'm like, no, no, I am here. We're doing this. And we're, and, and it's just like, nope, that didn't work. That didn't work. And then like 20 days later, you got a paragraph and it's just like, that's it next
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly but i think just the discipline of just showing up yeah and then eventually you solve problems that way but whenever i you know think i have to have the answer before i start the answer is not not going to come but when i was younger uh much younger and i had this idea of like oh you have to be inspired in order to write so I have to wait for the inspiration and then right comes- I'm inspired, and now I can write. No, you just, just I believe totally in just routine. Get to the desk, start writing, and then the inspiration—it's—it it start, it comes to you. You know. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It it shows up. It's not this like super. Just you know, just do your job, and then the other stuff. You know, I think to to approach it in a less romantic way, and just say, just show up and play around and maybe something good will happen
0: yeah
1: it'll be be bad but also um it's yeah i think the only failure is when you stop so making mistakes or or writing poorly is you know you have to write poorly in order to in order to get better um and so even sometimes i mean i think also I don't know about you. It's harder, I think, approaching a completely blank page than, uh, something than, than, than working on it. I revise a lot. Oh yes. I give myself the freedom to just like, just get something down. And then after, then you can rework it. Then you have stuff to work with and you can change everything, but like, it's easier and you can play. And there's a little more feeling of security because there's something there. So I think, um, that's for me the most fun is in the is in the revision because there's less less terror and then and you can start to there's some material. It's not just all any open open space.
0: And I always have to I, I, I'm not I can never bring a laptop to a cafe. I'm not that guy, but I love writing a cafe, so I'm always bringing paper. And so, so my stuff's in a binder, and I'm redlining in the binder, and then I type it when I get back home. But, um, but having the binder just feels good when it's just and I'm almost done with that draft, and I'm just like, oh, here we go, and it's just.
1: Do you write uh, by hand, or do mm you have? Oh, okay, wow.
0: Yeah, it's not the most efficient way, but I write. No, um... I think
1: the most efficient way is whatever way that uh, you're comfortable. I used to write by hand, too. And then at some and I could never imagine I would write by hand and then I would go type it and Mm -hmm. I could never imagine it would be any different. But then somehow, I guess I got I got better at typing and really lazy about my hand hurts. Now that I don't write that much anymore, when I do write, I'm just like, "What is this?" Or like, you writing with a I, I just this is modern stuff. Writing with like a ballpoint pen, like my God, it's it reminds me of like I I I have these now you know the um battery uh, toothbrushes. That- oh yeah yeah brush for you and after you've been doing that for a while then you get like a regular manual toothbrush and you put it there and nothing's happening you're like (laughs) (laughs) like i've got to move my hand up and down this is ridiculous this is too much work and i feel the same way about like yeah when i when i actually write by hand i'm like jesus christ well, what you you can't 24? use a
0: ballpoint pen. That's not fast enough. You got to use the Precise V7 with the. That's
1: a that's a that's a, a good one. I do do a lot of that. What I do is I I now I type my drafts, but I print them out and then um, I revise by hand a lot, mm-hmm. and then I put the yeah. put the the updates into the computer, print it out again. And then I write a lot. So I, because I, that helps me sort of interact. More. So I do end up writing a lot by hand, but, uh, but in that, in that way, so I'll have like a page, you know, adding a whole paragraph. Um, but
0: I have yeah. a, I have a really cheap kind of word processor that I bring with me. That's that looks like a bulky thing, but it's just a, it's like a, it's like it was a hip thing in the nineties, this word processor. And it was like only 40 bucks on eBay, but sometimes um, I'll, I'll know that I have to write scenes into that. And then it's a clunky thing to put it in the computer because then I have to like connect it to my computer, open word, and then I hit send and then it sits there and it like writes it all out and like really <laughs> I have to walk away from the computer. So there's no.
1: What is a word processor? I, now, I don't have it with me. I thought too. it was just like it was like a sort of uh, something halfway between a computer and a typewriter.
0: Yeah yeah exactly and it's uh, it's it's called the neo and it's um and it only sh- it's the screen is like this big and it only shows like the last three lines that you wrote so when I, when i'm writing i usually don't even look at that i'm like and i i probably look like i'm uh stevie wonder as i'm writing on huh. it I, you know I'm just like
1: so why <laughs> do you use a word processor
0: and I, I used it for a few scenes in this current book. One was, um, the, it was a pivotal scene where the, where my character has, I was just like, oh, wow, he has to have a, um, a, a philosophical, like, total, um almost like a philosophical breakdown to try to, you know, at this point in the book. So the I, the placeholder was like Sebastian's philosophical breakdown. And then I kind of knew the elements that needed to go in there. So then I just sat there and I type really fast. I type about 90 words a minute. So I just, I knew it had to come out really fast. And that's, you know, that's easy to put, get like six pages out within a half hour. And then if, and just like free write that to no end and then put it and then print it out.
1: But is that better? Is that faster than a... Why not just type it into your computer?
0: I got to fit, you know, it doesn't feel the same. I don't like, I don't like, it's really weird. And I, you know, I'm not a Luddite at all. I enjoy technology, but I don't like having a thing that's worth a thousand dollars that I'm typing into. I'd rather type into something that Um, I guess I just want to keep reminding myself that it doesn't take a lot of money to write. All you have to do is write on a piece of pen, you know, have a pen and paper or a word processor. And, and then it's just, and if I'm on the computer, then I'm writing into a word document. That's a Microsoft document. And then I could switch tabs and go, wait a second, what's cryptocurrency at now? And Uh what, Oh, oh, wait, I could do, I'm playing online chess. What did that guy do his chess move yet? And it just, it strips it all away from you and all you, there's no connection to anything. All you can do is type into it.
1: I see yeah that's why I think some people have these uh apps where um they uh it turns off it makes it so they're unable to go on Google or something
0: right exactly yeah
1: I don't uh, some friends were telling me about it uh yeah th- which I don't I don't yeah I've never tried tried that
0: yeah and, but and- I guess
1: it's the same it's the same thing which I I, I guess yeah it's like why it'd be nice to, or that this movement now, a lot of the youngsters are getting flip phones. I read because they don't want to be so, um, connected all the time. Like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. There's this kind of reaction against it, which I love the idea of that. I would love to do that. Except that I find I'm, I'm very dependent on the, on the maps app. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Like it really, I, I don't know. I mean, if I had to read actual maps, I, I don't know.
0: Remember those days?
1: Yeah. You had to actually like know where you were going. You could get lost. You could go
0: up to people and go, where's Houston?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is another thing. It keeps us from interacting because you don't have to ask anyone for directions. You can just, yeah. you know,
0: I remember when I lived in San Francisco because uh, you bump into people who were tourists all the time, and you could see the you could see the look of horror on their face when they end up and ended up in my neighborhood. And I'd go up to them, and I'd be like, "Hey, where are you guys trying to go?" And they'd be like, "Oh, we don't have any money." And I'm like, "No, no, no, I'm really where oh no, it's it's that way. If you get on that bus and then they're like, "Oh, he didn't kill us. He didn't kill us." So. <laughs> I find that in New York too. I find it kind. Of, I, I, you know, New York kind of gets a bad rap for having. Um, oh, everyone's mean, but I, I uh, when I was there in 2019, and it's just like there's a camaraderie. I mean, but that was pre-COVID. But it just felt like there was people there that were just yes, someone, and they were like, oh, wait a second, we're interacting. Oh, okay, let's do this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I think New Yorkers are very uh, kind. They're, uh, you know, they just have our. They're not like down south where everyone, you know, waves, says hello. You can't right. acknowledge when you're surrounded by so many people, you can't, you go insane if you acknowledged everyone. So you sort of naturally, you have to sort of filter. Yeah. So, you know, but, but people are, I think, uh, kind and, and very helpful in New York. Yeah. Yeah. When it, yeah. You know, when it, in the ways that it, it matters.
0: Yeah pretty so. cool well all right i'd love to date you but um we're uh we're on opposite sides of the country so <laughs> i'll come out to new york i'm gonna i'll take you on a date
1: oh well, that's <laughs> exciting where yeah. are you gonna
0: go um i don't know i haven't figured okay. that part out you
1: yet it? okay what's
0: that all right if you come to la i have places that are easier to go to but that only you know you know it's don't it, it's uh yeah we can have a <laughs> chat like this because this kind of feels intimate too sometimes where it's just very you know we we're talking about important stuff you know
1: sure so. yes
0: all right and there it was that was the and then the, and then 10 years later they were married <laughs> um thank you so <laughs> much Ten for years later i
1: later. too old to wait 10 years <laughs> <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Iris, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting me. I've enjoyed this so much. <laughs> There's nothing secret in this world There
0: is nothing sure in this world There is nothing pure smiles on drinks with tony check out her new book droll tales and stay tuned for our possible future together next week on the show we have duncan birmingham he's the author of the cult in my garage reading is breathing in writing is breathing out breathe my friends breathe i'll see you next week
1: I give it to you. The child, a princess of Hindu birth, a woman of flesh, a child of the earth. I give it to you. Well, the hang guns of Babylon, Miles
0: Davis, the black unicorn. I give it to you. The palaces of Montezuma, the gardens of Akbar's tomb. I give you. The spider goddess and needle boy, the slave dwarves that they employ, I give to you a custom-colored super dream. Listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.